I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Wikishuffle, the world's first Wikipedia podcast. Not verified. My name's Jack. I'm joined as ever by my good pal and mentally ill monarch, Chris Wallace. Hello. And mentally ill... uh, Oh, you uh, couldn't even. It was so far from the truth. You couldn't even follow twat, through. Phil, <laughs> Phil Sharman. Hi, Phil. Hello. So we've got some fun things coming up today. We're going to do a random article search on Wikipedia, and we're going to talk about whatever comes up. And we've had a special gift through the post, and I'm going to do a dramatic reading at the end of the episode. So stay tuned for that. It's nice. Thank you for listening to this in bed. I'll yeah. send you off. Or naked in the bath. Or naked, especially if you're naked in the bath. You're going to well, enjoy you don't, it. We don't want to send them off if they're naked in the bath. Oh, good point. No, don't do that. <laughs> In either of the potential meanings of sending off. Yeah, true. Are we going to just leave it as a little teaser? We're not going to give any more Sleep, about yeah, what Yeah, come the back at the end of the episode. Um, but in the meantime, Phil, if you take us through some random articles. Bon Bon Land. Is that a euphemism for a bumhole? Maybe. <laughs> Is that the level of humour which we're picking? <laughs> Clearly. It's not even very euphemistic. No. It's not, even, it's it? not even a very good bum joke Sorry. that you've made. Anyway, what's Bon Bon Land? Bon Bon Land is a Danish amusement park located in Holm Olstrup in the south of Zealand. Zealand? Zealand. Old Zealand. The Old Zealand. Is that what, what Zealand is? New Zealand is... Why are we saying Zealand, for starters? What, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Rhymes with Zealand. So it's spelled like it. Uh, okay, so where is this? Where is Zealand? Where's Zealand? I it's mean, in Denmark. located in Holm Olstrup, about 100 kilometres from Copenhagen. Okay. Just off right. the top of my head. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> this 34-acre park attracts about 450,000 each season. I assume it means visitors. It doesn't say visitors. It just attracts. It just attracts 450,000 threats. Yeah. <laughs> this park is truly wacky in design. Oh, I bet it is. Humour is widely employed in the design of the rides and the architecture of buildings and in fun items on display, such as a peeing ant, farting dog, etc. Sounds like this podcast. It does, doesn't it? It does sound fun it's and like wacky. we got our own theme park. So they've m- met their brief if it was fun and wacky. So, so far. No, but wacky, can we go? wacky is rarely fun, though. Fun items on display include a peeing ant, farting dog, etc. Now, there's a rule of threes that should be employed when, mm-hmm. when giving a partial list. They couldn't even come up with three wacky <laughs> things to put in there before just plumping what for etc. Well, the farting dog, that sound, that's pretty standard. That's funny. Yeah. Dogs fart. Peeing stinks. ant. Peeing ant, that's, well, that's, that's intrigued me. 
I don't understand. I'm in. That's enough. Okay. I'm paying the entry fee. I'm going to Copenhagen in a few months, so I'm going to have to go to this place. Take a lot of pictures, especially of the peeing ant, because I don't get that. Maybe there's a picture coming up. Okay. The history of theme park Bonbon Land <laughs> can be dated back to when the Danish sweets boiler Michael Spangsberg got an idea to be Spangsberg. <laughs> that's, that's my Danish. <laughs> it's good. It's not as good as you ever accents. Michael Spangsberg got an idea to produce wacky candy with such funny names as Magic Latter, Hundepruta, and Tissablier. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's I mean, that's funny. innately funny. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. Hundersbrutter. That's my favourite. <laughs> From early on, the candy became very popular and children wanted to visit the factory in Holm Olstrup, a small Danish town in the countryside, to see how cheeky and delicious pieces of candy were made. There's, there's been some translation issues here, hasn't there? And the article's all the better for it. This <laughs> seems to be one of those ones as well where it might be written by an employee or <laughs> it's very favourable. Hmm. Well, so far. How could you say anything unfavourable about everything we've learnt so far, though? Well, Some I, things I, are just beyond criticism. Mm-hmm. A child's smile, the embrace of a loved one, yeah. and Bonbon Land. They're, they're, the, they're the three things yes. that you're on about. Yeah. yeah. So, we're painting a scene here. So, we've got all these Danish children desperate to see how the cheeky and delicious pieces of candy are made. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the production of candy had to fulfil some very strict regulations concerning hygiene, so the factory couldn't continue to offering visiting they tours. They didn't do that in Willy Wonka's factory, did they? Yeah, but that's why whenever Augustus you eat Willow, a swim. Yeah, <laughs> that's why oh. whenever mm. you chew any of their chewing gum, you have to pick bits of child out of your teeth. Oh, that's horrendous. <laughs> it is horrendous. I don't want a small German child swimming in my chocolate. <laughs> I've never thought of it like that before. The that's whole a... point was that he wasn't that small. All right, a fat German child. I still don't want him swimming in my no, chocolate. That, well, Even less so now. Yeah. I've actually, I've never thought that the whole point of Charlie and Chocolate Factory and taking them on the tour and getting mm-hmm. to touch all the stuff, it's a massive health and safety risk. The fact that he gives Charlie the factory at the end says that his plan all along was the other four were going to die in horrific ways, or at least be indisposed. So the children, they're desperate to see the candy being made, but the strict regulations concerning hygiene won't allow it. But as a result, Michael Spangsberg came up with yet another good idea. <laughs> He's just full of them. He's so favourable. He's written this. He came he? up with yet another good idea to open a small bonbon land. <laughs> That's not a thing. <laughs> this is surely the first bonbon land. Oh, guys, I've got an idea. I'm going to open a small bonbon okay, land. I want, I want a bonbon land of my own. Just a little one. Yeah, I've seen those big boys. I can't compete with the big boys. Yeah, the other bonbon lands, the really big ones. And his staff did that wide, terrified smile with gritted teeth and said, Yes, Michael, bonbon land, okay. I kind of imagine this story to be going on in the early 50s. Nope. No, no. (laughs) This is happening in 1992. In 1992, the theme park opened with a mini candy factory, a cinema, a shop, and four small boats shaped like a duck in a small pond. (laughs) (laughs) sounds great the park was an immediate success with children and over the years many rides and attractions have been added making Bon Bon Land one of Denmark's most popular children's parks in 2008 (laughs) it was the 8th most popular tourist attraction in Denmark really Bear in mind that number one is just a statue of a mermaid. So you've not got that (laughs) much to do in Denmark a statue of a mermaid this has got four massive duck boats Mm. so yeah. In 2007, the Spanish-based entertainment company Park Reunidos purchased the park. In total, Park Reunidos owns 67 theme parks around the world. 
good to have a collection, isn't it? Just a little hobby. Better than just one. Now, you're probably thinking, well, what's Bonbon Land's unique selling points? Because there are at least 67 theme parks in the world. Cheeky candy. From the beginning, now get this, because this is clever. <laughs> From the beginning, Bonbon Land has focused on experiences that the whole family could enjoy. Ah. You see, that's where we went wrong. Yeah. With our Wiki Shuffle theme park. Nobody can enjoy it. No, but no. <laughs> that, that was it, wasn't it? All that jagged broken glass all over the floor. Uh... The nude pensioners. Why did we think that was a good idea? <laughs> Today, Bonbon Land has over 60 different attractions and numerous activities on offer. Among the most popular rides in the park are the four roller coasters and the two water rides. There are also a number of playgrounds and a pirate track that visitors can try out. <laughs> Can I try out your pirate track, please? Of course. That's what it's for. <laughs> it's not just sitting there. <laughs> Why did I open this park? <laughs> oh, you're. You know what? You talk a lot about being a dictator someday, but I yeah. can see you more as a crazy theme park owner. Oh, where there's traps. Like Saw. Oh, there'll be traps. Like yeah, the guy exactly. like Saw. Mm-hmm. I'm not disagreeing with you. It might mm. be how it ends up. That's terrifying. Yep. But I can't deny that there's a possibility. Do not give this man a loan. Should we learn a little bit about the rides at Bonbon Land? Mm-hmm. The roller coasters. We've got the Hundeprutta Rusha Bane, mm-hmm. which in English translates to the farting dog switchback. Ooh, that sounds like a horrible sex position. It does, doesn't it? The type is a steel sit-down, and it opened in 1993. It reaches a speed of 18 miles per hour on a 420-foot-long track and a height of 15 feet, four and a half metres. The height limit is none slash (laughs) 1.1 metres alone, and the Force One model train 2 by 10 I don't understand what any of this no. is, but there are people out there who know exactly what all of those things mean. Roller coaster nerds. Roller coaster nerds. You gimps. They're the worst, aren't they? They kind of are, because roller coasters are awful. There's no fun to be had. You've never had fun on a roller coaster? The last roller coaster I went on, or I've been on two in my whole life. The first, the first one was at Disneyland, and it was the Runaway Twain. Uh, runaway Twain. Runaway Twain. The Runaway Mark Twain. <laughs> and we, me and my mum, when, when I was seven, were on the Runaway Mark Twain. Um, yeah, it was really scary. I thought I was going to just fall out of the roller coaster and die. So then I took a lot of persuading to go on one a few years ago at Thorpe Park, which turned out to be the one with the most loop-de-loops in Europe. Oh. And I gripped the bars and closed my eyes and clenched my teeth. And wished for it to be over. And it was terrifying. Uh, that's, yeah, like isn't it. that part of it, though? Being terrified? Yeah, so that's, that's kind of the frill. point. But to the point where I wanted to throw up and I didn't want to open my eyes. That's part of it. No, it's not. Yeah, it's I, I, didn't, I didn't enjoy when it. When you go on a roller coaster, you expect to be thrilled. You you want to be scared. Yeah. Mm. I think that the, it's designed to make you think like you might fall out and that you're on a runaway train. That's the point. Uh, you can still go to this park, though, because there are four small duck boats. Well, I can do that. I can do, mm. like, teacups... In fact, I can do the uh, log flumes and stuff. They're fine. It's all the loops and the twirls and the terrifying heights I don't deal with. Uh, how do you feel about I don't the, mind the nemeses of the world? The, the, the nemeses of the world? Yeah. I like them. I've, I've only ever been on a few, but I'd definitely go on more. I like the thrill. I've kind of... I know that I'm just setting you up for an old joke here, but I've kind of outgrown them. (laughs) and I'm I'm a little bit too... I don't find it fun anymore, but I definitely did. Back when I was your age, Hmm. couldn't keep me off the things. Back in the day? Yeah. made of just old wood. (laughs) Yeah, and there was the genuine risk that they might collapse around you. So you're on the bit now. You went on genuine runaway trips. (laughs) 
<laughs> you're on the bit now where it's not the height limit anymore. It's just it's the age limit. It's but... the yeah, it, it, the nausea is a bit too real now. Yeah, and it's the... risk of heart heart problems. And yeah, and that's it. And being pregnant as well, you're not allowed on then. No. Because um, the baby doesn't, I might hate it. Not tall enough. Not, well, yeah. <laughs> That's probably the main rule. You can't say the, the sentence, I've outgrown it, without coming across as the, like you're belittling everyone that still enjoys that thing. No, I, I wish that I could still get enjoyment from it. it you, you're too mature my, 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 No, it's not maturity, it's physical degradation. Okay. That I, I well, just we can feel all see that. rattled to pieces. The evidence is there. Thanks. My haggard, brittle frame. Mm. It's decay. Yeah, gone are the days where I'd queue up to the... To get on Grandpa Joe's oldie-timey <laughs> runaway train. So the other roller coasters at Bonbon Land are the Wild Svinit, the Wild Boar, which opened uh, mm. in 2003, which is also a steel sit-down. That sounds fast. 45 miles an hour. Yeah, 72 feet. 45 miles. That's more than twice as fast as Hunter British Butterbane. <laughs> <laughs> the farting dog switchback. Mm. Write that down, nerds. Yeah. Hankatten, <laughs> the Tomcat, is a steel sit down spinning wild mouse. I love that we can say things like, write it down, nerds, while we're recording our podcast <laughs> solely on Wikipedia. <laughs> you total nerds. Yeah. And Victor Van Dorm, Victor the Waterworm, which is another steel sit down that opened in 2009, and that one only reaches a speed of 33 miles per hour. Boring. Mm. Water rides, there's beaver rafting. <laughs> <laughs> See, you don't want to get. Some, some laughs are just so predictable <laughs> from you to just say the word beaver. No, no, it's because it came straight after Victor the Waterworm going beaver rafting. Come on. If that isn't funny, I give up. Don't make me give up, Phil. Beaver rafting is River Rapids ride that opened in 1998. This six-passenger raft ride is on a scenic 560-metre-long course. The Water Rat... Also funny. I I can't, and I just probably can't make the podcast because it's not going to make sense to anybody. I can't see the word rat without immediately thinking of the phrase Ecky Bog Rat. There is no escaping mm. that for me. It is the best insult to have <laughs> ever existed. Ecky Bog Rat. Now, That's to anyone point. listening, I'm, I might try and see if we can make this into a form that might be transmissible <laughs> to the rest of the world. What, Chris, explain where the term Ecky Bog Rat comes from. Well, okay. Um, I think it's what we're referring to. Um, we're from Corby. Me and Jack. Yes? Jack, yes. Um, and there's a place in Corby which is referred to as the Exeter Estate. What well, is the Exeter yeah. Estate? Yeah. That's his real name. Or the Ecky. The Ecky. And so the Ecky is a good word that you can use for like nicknames or, you know, it's good. Yeah. Good, strong one. Yeah. Go, going up the Ecky. Going up the Ecky. Yeah. The Ecky's a scary estate as well. We but you don't say. want to be just an Ecky rat. So what the people have done is put the worst place in the world, a bog, attached it to a rat and slammed the two together for, you know... It sounds good. It rolls off the tongue. So yeah. now you can call um, someone an Ecky Bog Rat. It, it sounds... Let's but, make it go worldwide. Ecky Bog Rat? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so what, what type of person are you describing when you're talking about an Ecky Bog Rat? Scumbag. Because... <laughs> 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 it, it's fair to say this is a slightly classist phrase to use. Yes, absolutely. This is, this is not used affectionately. No, no, you're the one that said it. I didn't bring them up. <laughs> you just asked for the definition. I just enjoy it. Ecky Bog Rat. There's... Nothing more fun. Other rides, we've got the Albatross, a disco that was opened in 2004. <laughs> it doesn't really say that, though, does it? 
It says disco, but spelt D-I-S-K, capital O. <laughs> I don't even know if it's a capital disco. O. Maybe if we understood the terminology of rides more, that would There's make sense. There's a height limit to get into a disco. I don't think it is a disco. But it says I think disco. it's a disc. Oh, like a disc? Yeah, that's oh. the type of ride it is. Okay. Oh, well, like a spinning disc. we don't disc. know. We're not that type of nerd that we understand what these ride terminology Also, the albatross, that would suggest something long. I don't know. Oh, well, we, we're not experts on this anyway, because we're not Michael Spansberg, the world-famous amusement park designer. Mm. There's a swinging ship that opened in 2002 called The Cod, or Klaptorsken, if mm-hmm. you're Yeah, Danish. you can imagine that, though. I can see that. Just a giant yeah. rocking fish. And the octopus, which is an octopus ride. Oh, right. Thanks for clearing that up. That's all right. Uh, the cobra tower, the crow trees, the sea lion. <laughs> the scariest of animals. Dare you brave the sea lion. <laughs> and the tortoise. And then there are kiddie rides. Hugo the happy horse. Yep. Uh, trampolines. They're trampolines. Gotta have them. And <laughs> the wet dolphin. Which was a water playground that opened in 2007. The wet, that sounds like a, a sex place. <sighs> Does, though. Like a horrible sex place. Yeah. Where are you going? The wet dolphin. No one goes to the wet dolphin. I know, it's, it's just a scummy little blowhole. <laughs> <laughs> Derek Hersey. Derek Jeffrey Hersey, born 26th of October 1956 and died 28th of May 1993 was a British rock climber and for many years an active participant in the Boulder, Colorado climbing scene. Mm, ever, been, scene. ever been part of a climbing scene, either of you two? I'd like to be, though. Like that bit at the beginning of Mission Impossible 2. I'd like to do that. <laughs> You'd like to do that. I don't think I've ever been part of a scene, let alone a climbing scene. Oh. Get into a have scene. Have you? Have you been cool enough to be in a scene? Uh, well, no, actually. I can't think of it. I know, like the, the Corby nightclub scene. The Corby <laughs> indie nightclub scene, even. We were, you, were in the, you were in that, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I, that's I, I went to Revolver. Hersey specialised in unroped free solo climbing, often in the 5.10 to 5.11 range. Don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. Few climbers have tried to repeat his achievements, which include many of Colorado's hardest tra- traditional routes. Free solo climbing. No, thank you. That I imagine that's just doing it without any ropes or yep. just... That's just let's just climb and hope for the best well I mean we only know a very small number of facts about this man so far one of which is that he was less than 40 when he died so Mm. I think that there's a reveal coming (laughs) yeah Yeah. originally from Stretford in Greater Manchester Hersey referred to El Dorado Canyon as his office where he could be seen on any day of the week if not on a road trip to Yosemite National Park or elsewhere he also referred to Boulder Colorado's Liquor Mart as the Shrine and discussed Described his climbing chalk bag as my bag of courage. He sounds oh. awful. Why doesn't he use normal words for things? He sounds They've got really words. boring, doesn't yeah. he? My bag of courage. Give me a break. I hope he dies on a climbing <laughs> Hersey was featured in Climbing Magazine and posthumously in the film Front Range Freaks. He was 5 foot 11 and weighed 138 pounds. He spoke with a strong Manchester accent, which... In America is inherently funny. Is it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because they... Daphne Moon on Frasier has a very strong Mancunian accent, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it is very strong, isn't oh, it? Oh, it's crazy how, how Mancunian <laughs> she sounds. And it's crazy that she's a British actress and she, she agreed to it. 
Uh, no, it's always inherently funny in America because if you ask an American to put on an English accent, it is never a Mancunian or a Liverpoolian accent. Sometimes Liverpoolian, sometimes if they're, Liverpool, if they're yeah, pretending the to be the Beatles. Yeah, but never Mancunian, never Cockney or Queen. Yeah. Hersey was introduced to climbing by his father, who went hiking near Manchester every week. Hersey learns to climb on the grit stone of the Peak District National Park in Derbyshire. In 1983, after being unemployed for five years in England, Hersey decided to travel to the United States, where he lived for the rest of his life. So there's some pictures here of Hersey doing a bit of climbing. He's a, he's a stringy man. I can see a string. He's, he's definitely wearing... So there's a rope. There's some... Well... We... <laughs> I'm not sure that string is the, the technical climbing <laughs> term. <laughs> Unless you're suggesting he's a puppet of some kind. Hersey's efforts to push the limits of his sport earned him the nickname Dr. Death. Hersey was perhaps best known for his exploits in El Dorado Canyon, but his resume included many other challenging ascents and descents. Obviously, mm-hmm. you never heard the adage, what goes up, and the rest of it. Must come down. Thanks. Oh, is that how that ends? I think so. Mm. Among them was his free solo ascent of Crack of Fear. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> crack Where of Fear. Where are you going? Just up Crack of Fear. The, the Crack of Fear, the nearly entry to Bonbon Land. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm taking out the Bonbon Land being like a bumhole joke anyway. No, you're so not. No, that. you have to leave no. that in. That's funny. And there's a bit, there's another bit. Leave that in, you fucker. That's brilliant. <laughs> I've nailed it there. It, it's not brilliant. That's I brilliant. Might, I might leave it in because there's not been that many zingers this week, but I'm not describing it as brilliant. Crack a fear near the opening to Bonbon Land. Come on. Okay. That's linking the two articles together beautifully. Yeah, with a bum. And reference. I've improved every Bonbon Land joke I've made has improved on it. That's good that you're on a learning curve with your bum jokes. So the crack of fear is a sustained 5.10 plus. I'm guessing this is like a rating system of difficulty then. I'd have thought so. Of which the scale appears to stop at 6. Because they're saying 5.10 as if that's impressive. Yeah. So 10 can't be the op- the ultimate, can it? Which well, is just, not, 10 is just a mile high sheet of glass. <laughs> <laughs> there was also an impressive effort on the diamond... A 275-metre wall on Long's Peak, where he free-soloed a sense of two routes and down-climbed another in a single day. I mean, it's telling me to be impressed, but yeah. with no frame of reference, I, I'm... It's very difficult. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, it nice was one. worthy enough for somebody to think it was worth putting in a Wikipedia article. But... It's like when you tell people that we won that award. <laughs> <laughs> The looks that we get. We won a podcast award. Oh, right. What's What's a podcast? You're not funny. (laughs) (laughs) He was well known for pumping up and down laps on the sustained 5.10 route's rosy crucifixion in El Dorado Canyon as a workout regime. He doesn't sound like my kind of guy. I don't think we'd have much in common. Um, There's a picture of him and some friends making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Then again. Yeah, before they did a massive climb up something. I mean, that's an incredibly specific caption for that photo because it's very difficult to tell what sort of sandwich they're making. That could just as easily be peanut butter on its own or some kind of meat paste. You can't tell from that picture, can you? From that tiny picture, they could be making sandwiches or from the looks of it, like dealing. He looks like a. He looks like a. They're either dealing or they're having some sort of weird vegan sandwich. 
Derek Hersey died on the 28th of May 1993 in an accident while soloing at the Steck Salathe route without protective gear on Sentinel Rock in Yosemite National Park. He fell several hundred feet to his death. Craig Lubin, a friend of Hersey, speculated that he encountered slippery rock, although there was no rainfall officially reported in the area that day. A later report concluded that rain-slicked rock contributed to his fall. The search for Hersey's body was featured in a report on the CBS News programme 48 Hours. It's one of those things where I don't feel an investigation was needed. It's, you know, he was climbing up the side of a mountain. No gear. No gear. Tough shit. Didn't even know the risks. It's weird, isn't it? I don't understand what compels people well, to take those particular risks. Climbing uh, a mountain's bad enough. Yeah, well, when you're taking all the precautions that you can, yeah. even in that, it seems a little bit I can bit understand safer. it from, like, when we were talking about roller coasters, the thrill-seeking aspect of it, but then you know, taking it to this level, this is, this is silly. This is like going on a roller coaster and not putting the bar down. Yeah, you're just setting yourself yeah. up to hurt all the people you love. Yeah. And that's a, an innately selfish thing to do. So the film Everest that came out last year, that... I, it's not a bad film. It's it's quite interesting. It's, it's all right. Yeah, it's not a bad film. No, it looks nice. It looks very pretty. Mm. But all you come away from it thinking is all the people that are doing this big trip to the top of the world where there's a 50% chance they're going to die are assholes because mm. there's a 50% chance that you won't go into... It's like a 1% chance on Everest. Nowadays it is, but at this point it was much, much higher than that. in the 90s. Yeah, but this was the, this was the turning higher, point where they started okay, to learn yeah. how to do it. You'd have to be a right twat. It's like there's people that are into weird wanking. <laughs> Natural progression. Like, like David Carradine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Same thing, frozy kiss. No, yeah, it kind it's, of is. It's yeah. like, I could die doing this and therefore that's why it's getting me off. Uh, not only that, I could also die doing this and I look a state. <laughs> got a rope around my head an orange in my mouth and my pants and down pants. my ankles yeah. <laughs> yeah not cool no not a way to go the naked woman and the gun Ooh. not heard of that one the naked woman and the gun is a 1957 black and white Japanese film directed by Seijun Suzuki right What's it about? End of article. Okay. Now, <laughs> that asks, poses so many more questions than it answers. It does. I mean, my first thought is it, gun. like, when I read it, is the naked gun, like, is it some sort of Japanese spin off? But no, it's just. Is <laughs> it some sort of Japanese spin off? The Leslie Nielsen film. <laughs> Made in the 50s in black and white. Well, I didn't get to the bulk yeah. of the article. <laughs> so, so maybe the naked gun with Leslie Nielsen is just a remake and adap- oh. adaptation of this. Of the, Japanese, and this came first. the Japanese original. Mm. Oh, okay. Have you um, found out some more elsewhere? Well, no, I, go- I, I did a Google, and the only thing that comes up is the Naked Woman and the Gun Wikipedia article. Yeah, then seen also that, read that. Watch naked volunteers get shot with a stun gun by their loved ones for art, for an art exhibition. You really mm. sort of pressed the trigger, pulled the trigger even, when you typed the naked woman and gun into yeah. well, Google. Well, sexy gun, naked woman stock yeah. photos. I'll and unfortunately, adding the word Japan is not going to help the situation <laughs> at all. Well, I didn't do that, actually. <laughs> well, that's just going to be blurred out, isn't it? Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> Who is in it? Hiroshi Kondo... And Joe Shishido were in it. Nope, doesn't that, help. <laughs> that doesn't help, does it? Um, release date, December the 7th, 1957. Running time, question mark minutes. Produced by Nikatsu. Here we go. Mubi have got a page for it. I knew Mubi would. 
Who are Mubi? What's Mubi? They're like sort of the hipster Netflix. It just said the title and the, the director. There was a link on the Wikipedia article that led to the um, I what is supposed to be an IMDb page, but that doesn't help anyone. So that doesn't. That's in Japanese language. Well, yeah. That's so, all in foreign, mate. It's, it's, Switch it off. No, it's also, it's got ten twenty four. I feel like this might be a ring situation where we stumbled. Do you think on, we've stepped into we've the ring? We stepped into something and we looked up the naked woman and gun and ended up like now we're going to be pursued. Like in it follows. <laughs> oh no! What? Well, well, I'm, I'm so confused. Well, I, also, I clicked on the IMDb link on the Wikipedia page, and it's led me to a weird page, all in Japanese. It's just the it IMDb sounds... page in Japanese. No, it's not, because it stops. This, this is it. This is all there is. Yeah, but okay. But you said it was like the well, ring, and then it went on to be it's, it follows. Why isn't it just like the ring? Because, why <laughs> is the little girl from the ring not going to come come and kill us? Well, because that's a different film. Uh, what's he on about? Do you know? Do you know what I mean? I'm with you. Yeah, I think it's you that's in the wrong here. Something ominous is going to happen. You would, you would, you <laughs> I would, get that. You were using it for to say that you don't specifically know what, what you're is, saying. Yeah. It's exactly like the it's ring. It's not going to be the ring. Oh, obviously and it's not, not. going to be. It follows, <laughs> be but it's going to be something like that. But something's definitely out to get us now because we've, yeah. we've awoken it by visiting this film that when nobody's you seen. Go to bad, 1957. Bad, now you've just thrown another film into the mix. <laughs> well, when you go to bed tonight and there's a naked woman and a gun. Happy days. <laughs> that's how I normally get my naked women into bed I feel like we should set ourselves a challenge of trying to see the naked woman and the gun well if anyone wants to send it in to us if anyone can find it I found an English IMDB page Okay, it's got quite a significant cast of Japanese names I've never heard of I now know that it's 88 minutes long we weren't sure before Concise. it was just a that's question good. mark um, yeah listen to that Tarantino oh so that was episode 47 of wiki shuffle come back next week for episode 48 because that's how numbers work it is phil now phil i've heard that we've had some extra special correspondence this week we have you may remember a few weeks ago me talking about the big illuminated sign that we've got outside wiki shuffle hq that took me ages and ended up costing lots of money and contravenes local planning permission rules mm-hmm. and fine well not finally but very excitingly this week we got some correspondence from a listener who's listening directly because of that sign so it thank worked. you I was, <laughs> so how much did that one listener cost <laughs> um about 110 pounds shut up it costs you that much to make that sign about 110 pounds plus the electricity bill Money, bless him. No, bless I'm him. not giving you any. It was all your idea. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not giving you any if you get fined either. It's your building. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that that listener's cost is 110 pounds. But oh. Jeremy, thank you very much for your lovely email. Um, Hope he says you appreciate this. Jeremy. He says he's been back and listened to all the back catalogue. So it was like best part of 50 listens for that 100 pounds. So two pound a listen. And it's not there. been up long, so he has he's yeah. burned through them. That's good. So if there's anybody else listening in the Greater Kettering area that has. Listens, is never heard it described like that before. <laughs> the greater catching. Neither's anybody listening. They're all very confused by that. Um, then do get in touch, and we will tell everyone your name as well. <laughs> <laughs> what better prize is that? What a service that we offer. <laughs> Look at the thing, and we'll speak about it. <laughs> so, talking of excellent listeners who've impressed us this week, uh, we've we've had a gift. A gift. Oh. <clears throat> Chris, why don't you tell us about our gift? Well. If you remember the Christmas specials, my gift to Phil was a, a love story of sorts. 
the love story it was a well, certain generation and on that podcast it was the 80s version of 50 yeah. shades of grey on that podcast you poured scorn all over it I, it's what I do yeah because you hated it you thought it wasn't a love story so much scorn but one listener Chris Wilson well we, Chris Wilson on on Twitter says okay. that he did it so, but an anonymous but no person proof. it was no, anonymous he could just be he could be taking credit jump on yeah. the wagon so we don't know we know it's your just, game Chris it's still anonymous for us at the minute has sent in I don't even think it's the novelization of the Gold Blend story. Um, it seems to be just like a work of fan fiction um, <laughs> made into a paperback, which is nice. And it's called Love Over Gold, and it's by Susanna James. And the, one of the protagonists is on the cover. And it serves as proof that I was right, that this is an amazing present because they made a book out of it. It's, a, it's strange that they've chosen to leave Giles off the cover, isn't it? Yeah, it's a little bit. It's just one woman. Yeah, yeah. But I imagine it's told from her perspective. But still, we want well, to know what she's lusting after. Use your imagination. I'm sure she'll describe Giles from Buffy in great detail. Or maybe they don't want to give you that because it's for whatever woman's reading, because it is written for women, whatever woman's reading it to just imagine what their ideal yeah. Giles would look like. Probably Giles from Buffy. Well, for any warm-blooded woman, yeah. yes. But for some perverts out there, they mm. might have chosen a different man. But for mm. any correct-thinking woman, the, the ideal, the pinnacle of man is Giles from Buffy. Yeah. So this is a 342-page book <laughs> on big, some adverts that were on in the 80s. It's a big and bit of work. It has some good reviews on Amazon as well. I bet it does. Like people saying she's a very talented writer. And she seems competent. I think anybody that can take... What did we work out? Eight minutes? Mm-hmm. And build a 300-odd page book out of that story. And we don't skill. even know how much the coffee is part of it. And it was an integral part of the story. Yeah. Probably the most important part of the story. <laughs> That's true. I wonder how much crowbarring of coffee there is in there. Can't loads. be, surely. The logo's on the cover. There's loads. But that's enough. Because once you've bought that, you've you've been advertised to at that point. Yeah, but if you bought that under the pretense that you thought it was about coffee mainly then you're going to be shortchanged if there's no coffee in it. <laughs> do, you think that's what it was? do you think that's the gap in the market it was trying to fit? There's people out there that thought, I like, oh, I I like really want coffee instant novels. Instant coffee fiction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some people love coffee. That much? That much. Well, she obviously does, this author. I wonder if this was commissioned or if she just did it off her own back and tried to get it published afterwards. I am at, or it was it's like got to be got to be surely. I mean, the in this day and age, you wouldn't say necessarily that that was the case because you can just self-publish. And yeah. but back then, there's a chance no that this could be the original Fifty Shades of Grey situation. Basically, where Fifty Blends. Yeah, because that was about coffee. Twilight, wasn't it? Fifty Blends of Brown. With so thank you because it was a lovely book, and we're all going to read it. Well, I'm going to read a little bit right now oh. for the listeners in a dramatic style. Settle down. Um, but we'll say bye and then there'll be a little pause. And if you want to listen to me very sexily read out a passage of a book, then keep going. Yeah. yeah. And if you want to send us any other gifts, then obviously yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, postcards aren't cut it anymore. Yeah, postcards, forget about it. It'd have to be a pretty impressive postcard. Generally, we want, you know, objects now. Well, we've had, you know, we've had um, we've had sweets and stuff. And yeah. Bon- um, bonbons. We've just got bonbons on the brain now. Uh, Twinkies and 
all sorts there of There were bonbons in... Bath bombs. In the... Did you no. have your bath bombs in Yeah, there? it was lovely. Good. Oh. Oh. We didn't do a follow-up on there. Tell oh. us what we did. The bath yeah, bombs. Was rude, the bath it? bombs were really good. I've had all of them. And I got a lot of bath bombs for Christmas as well. <laughs> I've had a bath a lot. I've had a lot of baths. It's going to make change. Oh, nice. So, yeah, send us some stuff. Wiki Shuffle HQ, 1B Headlands, Kettering NN157ER. Yes. Or just write us an email to say that you've seen my sign and it was worth me spending £110. It was actually less than £110 because I bought too many light tubes to go in it. So I can get £20 of that back by going to Wix's with my receipt. I haven't done that yet, though, so it still counts as £110. <laughs> Um, so yeah you can email us email us podcast at wikishuffle.co.uk yeah, even if you're giving this a go because of the sign and you don't think yeah. it's very good at least email us just so, say yeah. that you tried yeah that you did see the sign they probably should have done this bit at the beginning of the podcast not at the end yeah they're never going to make it through never going to make it through if they've given up alright so we'll see you next week for episode 48 bye 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 Chris could you um, dim the lighting please of course no, actually. Oh, actually? Yeah. Well, that was for dramatic no, effect. No, no, so we, we still like, get in the mood. Just turn them off. This is a sexy book. <laughs> oh, yeah, we don't have dimmers. <laughs> just turn them off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if I feel a hand on my knee. Ooh, ooh. Ooh, the laptop. Phil is bathed in a sexy glow. Oh, yeah, I can't read the book now because the light's oh, yeah. off. <laughs> Was it something I said? She asked lightly. He laughed. No, just business. From Nigeria. <laughs> Long, she said. It was impossible to judge whether she was just asking because she was interested or merely for the sake of politeness. A month. That's long, she said. I called round last night, but you had company, he said, dumping his bags into the lift, stepping after them. You mean my brother? His jaw dropped. Brother? He would have said more, but it was too late. The lift doors closed across his exclamation of relief and frustration, and he was carried down to the ground floor. It was her brother. Immediately, the smoke features reassembled themselves in his, in his imagination and took on the friendly demeanour of an irrelevant sibling. Pretty harsh. Come to think of it. <laughs> He'd seemed rather a decent chap, someone it might be worth getting to know. Saying college tie is his own, too. They were bound to have things in common, even if the different in age made it unlikely they'd have overlapped at university. So you go, that's the first meeting with a brother, that's nice. Uh, but if you're looking for a bit more sexy fun, here's a small passage from chapter, let's say, 10. Okay. So this is the scene where Matt and Alexandra, as their names are, Mm -hmm. We've discovered that. Uh, they are in some sort of... Uh, they're on a dirty weekend. Where? Somewhere. And Alex is outside. And she sees some nice things. There. Scene set. You really ought to come out here. It's fantastic. I will, as soon as I've finished my coffee. Alexandra looked at him over her shoulder. Her eyes were huge, her face soft with love. Coffee, she said. What a marvellous idea. Shall I come back to bed and share it with you? She smiled at Matt, meaningfully. <laughs> she, she stood silhouetted against the brilliant day, and he could see the shape of her under her loose robe, the long lines of her body. 
He wanted to tell her that she was beautiful, more beautiful than anything he had ever seen. He wanted to say that every time he saw her, his heart lurched with love. But he had already learned that too many such protestations frightened her. Looking at him, Alexandra felt a quiver of anxiety. Words trembled on his lips, she could tell. She knew what those words would be if he spoke them, and part of her yearned to hear them. Blah, 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 a load of love stuff. There's no sexy bits. Oh. I mean, <laughs> the loose robe is as sexy as it gets. Anyway, here's the last paragraph. Spoiler alert. Spoiler yeah. alert. Spoiler alert. Move over, she said softly. She ran her hand over his chest, then bent and kissed the smooth skin above his heart. Weird. No sexy bit my bum. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know what she said. Is that too excited? You obviously did. <laughs> I love you, Matthew. Darling. As Matt drew her closer, feeling the warmth of her, pulling at the satin ribbon around her waist, he suddenly saw his cottage. What? <laughs> Illuminated as though by a bright shaft of sunlight, and standing right in the very heart of it, with roses and lavender, and, fe- and shapes of pears at her feet, was Alexandra. Yeah. The fuck is that? One of it Twin Peaks at the end. <laughs> yeah. Didn't even mention any coffee. I'm um, no. Well, it did. Is that how it not ends? in the well, final paragraph? No. I want the message that it leaves you with to be coffee. That's surely. how it ends. But they've declared their love for each other. And um, she's got pear feet now. She's got pear feet. A pair of pear feet. Bye.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.